fucking fuck. Let's go. Go and do meditation. Go and do meditation. I was like, I was like, man, she wasn't going to sit down. Masturbation. I wasn't empathizing with Hitler. Fucking fuck. Anything you wanna do, you can. <laughs> be a professor. Wink, wink. Clearly, you spent too much time on it. Fucking fucking fuck. So you're back for episode seven. It's been. Alright, guys, are back for episode seven. Yeah, it's episode seven. I'm uh. I'm excited to be here, actually. I mean, I miss Masford, but I also miss talking shit. <laughs> yeah, I haven't um, had one of our deep chats for a long time now. <clears throat> so t- tell us, Sam, what's what sort of one of one of your highlights of your trip so far? Ah, man, one of the highlights of my trip. Probably, and this is this is unexpected. This is I was not expecting this to be one of the highlights, uh-huh. but I was I was in London. Um, I was supposed to only be in London for about like ten hours, um, and then I had a train to catch to Paris on the Eurostar. Mm-hmm. But 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 I plan to go to the British Museum. That's been my childhood dream to go to the British Museum, see the Cyrus Cylinder. Um, mm-hmm. they have like a really cool ancient Persian section, and I was. Anyway, I was there, and I checked my phone, and my train to Paris got cancelled. So I was like, "Shit!" There was like some strikes in France. Oh, wow. I feel like that's pretty normal for French people. But anyway, <laughs> slightly racist joke that I just made. Um, <laughs> then I, I was like, "Okay, what do I do?" I booked a hotel, blah blah, and I was like, "I'm just gonna have a night alone in London." And when I was in the ancient Persian section I saw I heard these two guys speaking Farsi speaking mm. per, like they were speaking Persian and I just went up to them I was like like in Persian I was like sorry guys um, like, would you be able to take a picture of me with the Cyrus Cylinder and they're like oh sure sure like in Farsi Hatman Hatman mm-hmm. and took a picture we talked and they're like are you traveling on your own I was like yeah they're like have you had the famous Persian kebabs in London and I was like no they're like, what are you doing tonight? Let's go grab some kebab. And I was like, actually, I'm doing nothing. Let's go. Why not? <laughs> and I was like, no, nah, like, it's literally like that. It's so simple. I, I was like, it. yeah, it's like, like so spontaneous in the moment, just like random shit. Just like, oh, yeah, all right, let's go with the floor. <laughs> exactly. Like, literally, like, I was planning on being in Paris that night, and my train got canceled, and I booked a hotel, and I literally had nothing planned to do in London. And I was so tired, I just couldn't be fucked going walking around the city and like so i was like whatever like these guys wanted to get kebabs i was like let's do it mm-hmm. um so then i was like actually i want to see that some some more of the monuments but like we'll meet at five o'clock in the lobby so we got the number we met at five o'clock in the lobby and we walked outside and one of the other guys he's like actually i have another idea and we're like okay what's what's your suggestion he's like how about you come back to our apartment and i cook you some persian food and that way we can have some drinks as well. And I was like, that sounds all right. Like, yeah, whatever. Let's do that. That's, that sounds like a plan. Like, literally, <laughs> this casually. It's like random two Persian guys that I just met. And how, I guess they were. How old were they? Like, were they like, what, what kind of age? Uh, I'd say one of them's, one of them 
so the guy whose apartment it was, he was in his, I'd say early forties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other dude was probably in his like mid early to mid thirties. The other dude, he had just moved to London from Northern Ireland. Um, he was like a friend of this guy, but the friend of this guy, he's like, Oh, I'll cook food for you, Simon. I was like, okay, why not? <laughs> so I went, these two cool Persian dudes, they were like journalists. They were so cool. Um, and I went to this house and they started cooking dinner. The guy in the kitchen cooked dinner. And then the other guy whose house it was like started making me a cocktail. Um, we drank, we talked politics, we talked history. We listened to Persian music, watched, uh, watched a comedy movie. Oh God. And then, like I, you're having a blast. It's like, it's like your jam. <laughs> bro, it was so good. It was actually yeah. like, it's so random, but it was so good. And then at the end of the night, I had booked my hotel anyway, um, but I was like, I was pretty drunk. Like not drunk, but like tipsy, relatively tipsy. Uh-huh. And it was like midnight and I didn't have any signal. And like I didn't buy a SIM card in UK. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I can go in my tipsy state to catch the metro at like nearly 1 a.m. Or I could just sleep with these people who I've just met house. <laughs> and in that moment, I decided it was safer to sleep at the house. So yeah. I just slept in the bedroom on the floor next to this guy. <laughs> um, and I woke up in the morning and he cooked me food, like breakfast, eggs and stuff with tea. And then, yeah, and then I was sent off back, ended up making my way to Paris. But that was probably the highlight, man. Like it was like, and it's one of those nights that never ends. You know what I mean? It's just like... Mm-hmm. I was just was not expecting this at all. Like it's just like it was. It was quite amazing, man. It was quite beautiful conversation, beautiful food, beautiful people, and it's just the and the. It's not like there's no means to an end. Like you're just there for the sake of it. Yeah, it's like so spontaneous. There was no plan. Um, there was nothing to get, nothing to do. It yeah, just, exactly. It was just what it was in that moment, and you just went with it, and you just had a good time. It's quite beautiful, to be honest. Like I was probably, and I've been to many places this trip, man. But strangely enough, that was probably the highlight. Even though I've had lots and lots of highlights. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Quite That's nice. Cool. Ah, right, so next question: What is one of the challenges, like one of the bigger challenges you've had so far? I think this one is easy one for me. Um, biggest challenge, actually, no, there's a couple. So I say easy because a lot of things come to mind, but probably the biggest challenge is uh, expectation. Um, and expectation in many senses. But yeah, the, the expectation that when you plan a trip, you have this idea of A, B, C, D, E is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or if A, B, C, D, E doesn't happen, like other stuff will happen. But then the reality is sometimes you're just faced with like something that you just like didn't even expect. You're like, what the fuck? Like, where did this come from? And you have to kind of think on your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and and not just not just in terms of like making it to your destination on time or expecting that the food will be good or expecting that you won't get sick. Like, I don't mean that. Even like mm-hmm. expectations of uh, of people. 
you know, like me- you're meeting up with a certain person or you're meeting up with, like I met up with lots of friends and family that I hadn't seen in years. Even that in and of itself is an expectation. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that would be the challenge. Could I don't be, know if that makes could sense. You, could you be a bit more specific? You, you're sort of doing a vague, broad stroke and I'm not really connecting to that. Okay, okay. Um, I got to be very smart about how how I how I talk about this topic. Um, <laughs> You're a smart so, guy. So I you think... can do it. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I think I think I had expectations. For example. Um, Like without mentioning exact people, but like mm-hmm. I, I had family in in the UK. Um, I had like cousins, like my first cousins, who had like I don't remember ever seeing. They saw me when I was like two years old, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I had like this expectation of like this reconnection and blah 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 and all this bullshit fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I guess that like I had a great time, but that thing I expected in my head didn't end up becoming reality. Mm-hmm. So you um, sort of felt like, a little bit disappointed, even though you were having a little a good bit disappointed. Time, even though you were even though I was time. having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And then there's also this, like I was I was gonna meet up with a friend in Paris. Um, I had a certain expectation of what it would be, in terms of like our interaction was very different the last time we saw each other. Mm-hmm. Um. And now it's just the dynamic is completely changed and shifted, which yeah, is man. in and of itself, it was quite a nice thing. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a shift in, you know, like you have a, like, let me give you a basic example. Like you had a friend who in high school used to always uh, play video games together. Yeah. And that's how you guys connected. Yeah. And then now you meet up with your friend and your friend doesn't want to play video games anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, what the fuck? Like, what do I do now? And then the reality is you guys, I don't know, you do something else. You fucking, what's go another thing? Do? You go for a party or you go for a hike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the reality is that the hiking is quite enjoyable. But because you expect it to play video games, the hiking is like a bit like not as sweet as it could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's no, the best I analogy that. I can give the situation. So I think that's quite challenging. I don't know if that like, uh, transfers uh, to like other situations for other people's lives but for me that was quite challenging I mean I think expectations in general is the thing that ruins a lot of things like I think I talked to you about this before like when I was sort of I matched with someone on Hinge and I'm like oh wow like this is like really good match like in from every aspect i was looking at like the conversation flows so many similar interests like so many similar niche interests like things that maybe you know one out of 100 people would know even what it is is like a passion for her and a passion for me i'm like in my head i built up all these like expectations it's like i'm just gonna go on this date and we're just gonna sort of connect like like this deep connection instantly but obviously, like that, like the date was good, but because I had this, like, almost, 
overbearing expectation of like oh yeah, like fantasy land like yeah, fantasy land yeah that. because i had that fantasy land expectation the the good dates seemed quite bad by comparison to that so i think expectation just in general is the thing that is like it it, it robs you of uh the experience that you're having because okay wait so so is what you're suggesting that because I I think about this a lot is should I just learn to not have expectations? But then I I feel like when I have that conversation with myself, a part of me says you just shouldn't have any expectations. But then a part of me says that's quite a a scared way to interact with the universe. Like it, it's a very frightened child response to the universe. So what are your thoughts on that? Why do you think that's the case? Because if you I don't have that... expectation, because if you don't have expectation, that means you are open to however this is going to turn out. Uh, whether you do have that, like, like you know, in my case, whether you do have that amazing instant connection, or whether you just have a normal date, or whether you even have a shit date. Um. If you have expectation, you've you've selected this is the thing I'm looking for. But if you just go in with no expectation, it means you're open to whatever whatever the universe brings to you. So I I think in a way, it's almost the opposite of what you were saying for me at least, because when you have no expectation, you are very much open. You're not closing down the you're not narrowing down the options of experience. You're like, you know what? I'm chill to have whatever experience I'm going to have and I'm going to be there with that experience. Look, I don't know if I agree. Like, like I, I understand. I agree with what you're mentioning in a very idealistic sense of like, uh-huh. in theory, what you're suggesting, I, like, of course, I'm not going to disagree with that. Yeah. But I think, but I think in reality, expectation has to serve a function. Like I, but what's that? I think that. Well, this is what I'm I'm trying to figure out. Which which I think that expectation. I think it's quite a. If we didn't expect something to be good, we wouldn't do it in the first place. Or it'd be very hard to find the motivation to do it in the first place. Like Mm -hmm. I expect that when I travel, I'm going to have a good time. So then I save up money to travel. But if I didn't expect it to be good, or I didn't expect it to be pleasurable in a sense. Um, then I would never get the motivation in the first place to save up money to do it. So I just think if we didn't have expectation, a lot of things we wouldn't have the motivation to do. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Um, well, you know, the, 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 even though I just went on that whole spiel about, you know, expectations, uh, it's good to not have expectations. Yeah. I think I personally struggle with that. So that's a, that's an ongoing struggle of mine because I do have expectations of things. Yeah, and yeah. I think the the thing I am continuously learning over and over and over and over is when I, I, I okay. So think of it like this: you, you can have a narrow expectation, or you can have a broad mm-hmm. expectation. So a narrow expectation is like, I'm going to do this thing and it's going to turn out this way 
which then leads to this, which then leads to that. So it's a very narrow scope. Like you, you're expecting things to go exactly this way. Like you're expecting to do this exam and you get 85 and 85 gets you first class honors and then you go do your masters. It's a very narrow scope expectation, okay? Yeah. Whereas a broad scope expectation is like something where you expecting a much more general thing. Like, so, you, you know, you, you're going out on a night, night out, and you're expecting to have a good time. That's a really broad, broad expectation because a good time for you, for example, might mean, you know, you, if you, on the dance floor, you're just having fun. But it could also mean you, you know, you meet someone and uh, things go completely different way. And that's good. And the dancing on the floor, dance floor with your friends is good too. So like mm -hmm. that broad expectation covers a lot more ground. Um, whereas the narrow one only covers one thing. So I think maybe the broad expectation is less, uh, has less of the negative side effects than I just spoke about before. Yeah, than but you're kind of arguing... One. You're kind of arguing what I what what I'm mentioning to be like. Regardless, expectation is not a bad thing. Yes, you can differentiate different types of expectation. Yeah. But what you're mentioning is just have no expectation whatsoever. So is is that what you're suggesting, or you're suggesting that the broad one is better? Well, look, I think ideally, if you don't have expectation, it probably adds to your quality of life. Ideally, like if you could just say, okay, I'm not going to have expectation and you would actually be able to not have expectation. I'm not there yet, so I don't know. Yeah. But I think it, while I'm still trying to get there, trying to have, I, I think that's the ideal, but I'm not there yet, so I don't know. But, but you're think, not responding to, to the thing I mentioned is, is, is if you don't have expectation, you won't be motivated to do anything. Um. I don't know. Okay, so let, let's think. Let me think of some situation where I don't have expectation when I'm doing things. Um, so if there's no expectation, it's kind of like a trial and error. It's kind of like if you don't, if, if you have neutral expectation for every single thing, okay, so then I'll you'll you go this. out into the world equally for good things and bad things. I'll, I'll tell you this. There's so many times I go to an event or a workshop having no idea what it's about and what's going to happen because I don't know what it's about and what's going to happen. I have no expectation and I go in there and I love it. I, I literally like I've come to a point where when I'm trying to choose something that I'm going to, I read just enough of the info to make a decision whether I want to do it or not. And then I just stop reading because I don't want to, because I've realized when I read the whole thing and I think about it, then I go in there with the expectation of what it's going to be like, what's going to happen. And I've realized that actually diminishes how much I enjoy that experience. So I do think, I do think expectations can, in a lot of the cases, reduce how much you enjoy the thing. Okay. Can I be very silly? Say something silly. Go for it. Could you say that you now have an expectation that <laughs> when you have a lot of information about an event, it's going to be shit, 
but you have another expectation that if you don't have much information about an event, then it will more likely be good. You're still in the world of expectation land, but it's just you phrase it differently. You 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 got you got that. <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's true. And as soon as you started talking, I'm like, this is what he's gonna say. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> No, I, I I know it's like a, it, it's a silly point. Like in terms of the debate, it doesn't. It, it's still not getting at the truth. But I think maybe expectations are things that is, it, we can't avoid it. I think the fact that you're trying to avoid it, I just think you're just. It's it's like you're but, just creating a facade because, for yourself. But no, the, the thing is though, because I don't re like if you don't know what something is, if you have limited information about something, you can't really have expectations of that thing, right? Like if if you have very limited information about um anything about something about something that you're gonna do, the I think the more information you have, the more expectation you will have because it will narrow your expectations more because you know more about it. Does that make sense? Yes, but I would also argue that when you don't have much information. You still have expectations, but your expectations are less tethered to fact and they're more tethered to your imagination. But I don't think that you can realistically go into something without any expectation. It's just in one situation, you're using more of your imagination. In the other situation, you're using more of the evidence that's been provided to you. Imagination. Like, I don't think your mind is blank. I don't think that's possible. I think our minds work like machines. They run like horses. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think there's still expectation in both situations. But so, so you, you think without expectation, you wouldn't have motivation. So one of the things you, you said was that, right? Yeah, I, if you expect something to be horrible, but if you expect something to be horrible, you try and avoid it. If you expect something to be amazing, you try and do it. But, like, I but, just think but that... If, but if you expect that it could be anything it could be amazing or it could be terrible okay listen listen in, in the scope of broad remember what you mentioned the, the narrow and the broad spec yeah. uh, expectations yeah i think that it's possible to have broad expectations yeah so i'm like okay i have this broad expectation that on the whole my trip is going to be good mm -hmm. i don't have any narrow expectations as to like exactly what i need to do in exactly every single city Mm -hmm, so I'm mm -hmm. still holding the thing that you said of like, I can still be spontaneous mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. we discussed in the first part of the episode. Mm -hmm. But I just think if I didn't have any expectations and I genuinely at the bottom of my heart had no expectations for it was going to be a good trip or absolutely traumatic trip, I don't think I would be motivated to actually get off my ass and get on a plane. Mm -hmm. Like I just don't mm -hmm. think like, like when you say you have no expectation for an event, at the end of it, you have a broad expectation that's going to help you grow as a person in some shape or form. If you well, genuinely had no expectation, I don't think you would do anything. So I think one of the things that probably makes that happen uh, is I genuinely have this belief that I can learn something from anything. Uh, you know, something yeah, shit can that's happen. That's a broad expectation. 
that's just a belief for me. It's like it's a very core belief for me that I can learn yeah, something from I, I, I'm aware of it, yeah. And so I guess because I have this belief, I then have an expectation that even if the event is really terrible and shit and I don't like it, I can still learn something from it. And I guess so so in a way I do have a positive expectation of everything. Exactly. So so there you go. Yeah. Case closed. Case closed. Case Sherlock closed. Holmes out of here. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's interesting though. Like I, I actually hadn't really thought about expectations this much in a while. That was interesting too. That was a weird random rabbit hole we went down, but I also <laughs> hadn't thought about it like that. Like I, I, I just was playing devil's advocate because that's what I do all the time. But like I also held the same belief as you. As I said, yeah, I, I would try not to have any expectations, but I'm like, actually, I always have this expectation that things work out. So, yeah. so anyway, I feel like we've we've beat that. What is it? Beat the horse till it's dead. The horse <laughs> is dead. Um, okay. Where so should we adventure next? I'm gonna continue asking questions for your trip because I'm so curious. Okay, next <laughs> question. <laughs> that sounded so fake. <laughs> what? It sounds like you can't. You can, you're not sitting next to me in the room. I'm actually genuinely. No, 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 serious. I know. No, I'm. I'm pulling your leg, but it's just. It's funny. It's just a funny, <laughs> funny sentence. I'm sorry. I just I thought it was funny. Okay, so now tell me about something you did that if you could have a redo, you wouldn't have done. Fuck me, bro. Why do you have to ask these tough questions? Um, you know, um, me, bro. <laughs> there are things I can say that I might regret later on. <laughs> oh, you know, the, you know, the research that I have told you about a hundred times by now is that people regret things they haven't done or haven't said than things they have done and have said a lot more. So I don't know, man. I feel like no, in this context, <laughs> I don't think that applies. But okay, wait, let me think. Let me think. Um, so ask the question again. What was it? So like, what's something you did like in some situation that if you could have had a redo, you wouldn't have done? Like a regret you might have, like about something you did in that in this trip. Regret. Um. Oh yeah, it's quite an easy one. I got yeah, this is an easy one. Um, so actually, this is an interesting thing that I had like a bit of a brain fart. So I was in Morocco. Um, I was in the Mer- Merzouga Desert. Uh-huh. Um, and I was in the sand dunes. It was like sunrise, and we were we, we were sandboarding. Sandboarding. So it's kind of like fun. surfing, but like it's actually pretty fun. Honestly, it's great. It was so much fun. It's like yeah, snowboarding with awesome. sand. Um, Were you good at it or did you stack it? I was actually decent. I was actually decent. I was so surprised because I've never done any sort of skating or surfing or whatever. Um, so the things I did, a, a couple of people did it and they stacked. They stacked uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. And then I did it on my first try and I was actually pretty good. Oh, and then wow. I, like, I, I venture back up to the top of the sand and everyone's like clapping and shit. And I was like, I did it a second time and I was like, oh, I'm actually pretty good. <laughs> no. And then the third time I was like, I got to be cocky. 
And this is this is interesting. And this is where like I would say what happened next was kind of it was like something took over me. Like it was it was like a drunken state. Um so I pretty much I was like, okay. It, it would be cool if I take a selfie video. And you're doing that. Record myself while I'm going down the sandboard. That would be very cool. <laughs> <laughs> um so I I got on the sandboard, it's pretty high up the sand dune. And I had my phone, like, arms reach, and I was recording myself. Uh-huh. And I got halfway through the sand, like, down the dune. It's like a little hill thing. Like, it's quite a big hill of sand. Like, halfway down the dune. And then I fucking stacked it. And it, I'm, I, don't, I don't care about the embarrassment. That's not even a problem. Bro, I fucking, like, banged my head. I got, like, minor concussion. Like, my neck, like, bent back. And um, it was quite painful for like a day or two. And I reflected on that and I was like, why the fuck did you do that? Like, it's such a stupid thing to do. It's like you're, you're in front of a bunch of strangers. So it doesn't even matter if you do something cool. And it's so unnecessary because you already did this sandboarding and you enjoyed it quite a bit. So it's like, like Why? And that's something that, of course, I regret. I wouldn't do again. But it's just like I'm co- normally quite a like well thought out person, and I was just a bit confused at my own behavior. To be like, was it just like a lapse of thinking, or like was I taken over by the ego boost of people like being, I don't cheering know, you on or whatever. cheering me on? Like, I was just like, I was like, why? Like, are you like stupid? Like Samim, I was talking to myself. I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> and that was quite confusing because it was such a stupid thing to do and it could have been potentially more dangerous so yeah I don't know it, 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 it's funny I think that feeling that you're describing the feeling of being taken over by something I think I experience that very often every now and then she does that, that's such a weird sentence every very often, every now and then, I don't know why I said that. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, like, from time to time, it comes on and it's just, like, so overpowering. It just takes me on. Um, But it sometimes leads to interesting places, too. So I, I don't I don't mind it. But it definitely does produce no, of, unnecessary of risk. It definitely does produce unnecessary risk. But what are your thoughts on like, because I'm just trying to think, I'm sure people who are listening have times where, I don't know, they do, like doing something spontaneous is different. I think I've done spontaneous things where you weigh up the pros and cons and you're like, okay, either one, the pros are better than, outweigh the cons. So like, fuck it, even if I get injured, like if I actually pull this off, it'll be quite cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like people who do parkour or blah blah and there are cases where you're like okay the cons is that I'll get humiliated but I won't die so it's not actual life threatening danger mm-hmm. so you take a spontaneous risk but then there are times when you actually just are fucking stupid like the <laughs> pros are literally like nothing like 
it's just like they don't like the cons is like okay you could die and the pros is like some stranger like claps for you <laughs> it's like <laughs> i mean you know i think there there's a sort of a high that you can get in some sort of situations like you can get high on uh, an ego trip and uh, when you feel high on that ego trip you kind of like feel a bit more invincible than you are and if if it's intense enough in that moment you're like oh yeah i can do it and then there's a split second <laughs> there's, exactly. a, there's a split second like you have like a split second time to reflect if you miss that split second to reflect you, you don't get another chance to reflect because you're already in it you're doing it now because it's passed and you've decided yeah, you're gonna, yeah, yeah. gonna do it so i think it's more about like it's less about oh i was so stupid that i didn't think about it than oh i was just like i felt like in this high this high of oh i can do this and then i just went with it so it's, i think it's like you don't really have time to think in those situations at least yeah you, i get that at least no, I don't have time to maybe maybe other people do, but I definitely don't have time to think in those situations. And I've been in those situations a lot. Like, so like you I'm become a slave. Yeah, like I'm like I remember like last time. This time is probably one of the most craziest ones. In so I was I was at um, Coffs Harbour, and there was this river that we took like a like a floaty thing, like a little boat thing. Uh, me and a couple of my friends, we took this boat thing on this river and we're just sort of cruising along. And then we come to a spot where a tree had fallen. So it had blocked the river. So we decided to sort of duck in underneath the tree. And then the yeah. fluffy thing sort of jumped out and left us. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go try and catch up to it. And like the river had, was quite shallow. And there was stones in the bottom of it. And it was flowing pretty fast. Like there was bits of it that was like going right because the flow was too strong. And I ran after this like floaty thing. And it was, I was so adrenaline. Like I could feel the adrenaline. Wait, was, floaty thing as in like a raft? No, uh, yeah, like a little rafting. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, a little, okay. little boat thing. Like a boat thing that you pump with air. yeah. yeah. And I'm, so I'm going after this and like there's literally like dozen rocks in front of me. And like some of these rocks are massive. Like if I hit one of these rocks because I was going really fast, I would have just, I, I, it would have been dangerous. It was a like very, cut up in your leg or some shit. Yeah. yeah it, it could have been very, very dangerous. I did end up like hurting my shins a little bit. Like with yeah, yeah. And there was like a bit of bleeding as well, but it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> So I, why did I do it? There was nothing to regain. Like literally, there was literally nothing. It's to like regain. a plastic floating thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in that moment, I just like mm. I was just taken over by the adrenaline of that moment. Like the bio, you know, biology has a really strong. Yeah, it does. On us. I think sometimes, um, actually, Michael and I were talking about this earlier. Like sometimes people discount the effect that biology has on us. But you know, you think think of like um, substances, like uh, from medications to illicit substances or whatever. You take this one little pill and it changes you completely. 
that's biology yeah right like it, it's, not, it's not the situation it's not the context it's not your beliefs it's not none of that it's just the, your biology so biology wait, wait. so i so i'm just trying to like find a way to wrap this all together to be like are we arguing that we should be more empathetic towards because I'm thinking like based on what you're saying is, yeah, if we're a slave to our biology, more or less, we should be more empathetic towards ourselves and others. Or is there something we can do to avoid being idiots and doing stupid things? Well, I think I am personally leaning more towards the being empathetic towards ourselves when we do do those things. That's, that's where I'm... But how do we avoid towards. it? How do we avoid it? If we're a slave to the biology... How do we avoid it? I think, to be honest with you, I don't think I would want to avoid it because it those those things as 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 dangerous, quote unquote, dangerous they can be. They are also like it's like it adds spice to the meals of life. Like you know, that's that's how mm. I see it. Like without without like without that, you couldn't still have a nice meal, but it doesn't have the spice and the spice you know. Chili. Sometimes, like if you can get too much, too much chili on your food, and it can burn, right? But people will go and eat chili again afterwards, right? Like it's not. So you're like- saying it's kind of it's what it is to be human, more or less. It, it, there's something about it that if we were always to make calculated decisions, we would be robots and not humans. Yeah. And sometimes we take stupid risks for stupid for love. Reasons. Yeah. Sometimes for. Sometimes, yeah, I feel like, yeah, we do it for many, many things. Sometimes it's quite heroic because it's all the context. If you yeah. do something that um, is quite dangerous in the right context, it can be classified as heroic. But in the, in a different context, it can be classified as reckless, as stupid and reckless. And if you lose the stupid and reckless, potentially you lose the heroic. So maybe it's just ingrained in our biology. And yeah, I don't know. That's a way to think about it. Yeah. Look, I, I think personally, I don't want to stop doing those things. If any, if I could. Yeah, I get I'm with you. So, it's just about like, trying to, when you do do those things, try and like, not do the ones that are too dangerous in some sense. So Try not to die, but like, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Try not to die. <laughs> I, yeah, I said that to myself. <laughs> Hey, yeah, it's all right. It's all right if you, if you, if you uh, cut, cut something or whatever, but like, just don't die. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I like it. Um. All right. So next question. Hmm. Why are you gay? <laughs> okay. One. Tell me about a time in your trip so far. That yeah. you're like fuck yeah! I I uh, like you felt proud of yourself. I'd like happy with ha- how you showed up. Um, happy with how I showed up. Um, I think the first, like there's a couple situations that come to mind, but I think the most powerful one would probably have to be in Barcelona. Um, I had been traveling for about nearly a week in Morocco, like mm-hmm. solo on my own, 
and that was quite challenging. Um, just because like traveling solo is hard, but I feel like Morocco is like a developing country, so it can be quite like it's it's like kind of going to a whole different world, but and on your yeah. own it can be a to an entirely different world. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's it's like going to a different planet, and when you're going when you're traveling solo, it's a bit like daunting because it can be a bit scary sometimes. Um, like what was some of the things that scared you from that? I don't that? know, man. It's just, it's just walking alone in the streets at night in a in a developing country, and I don't know. There's just you can just see lots of poverty around you. Like I had to go through some like dodgy alleys to get back to my hostel. It's just the vibes. It's just the vibes. Like the roads when you're driving in the taxi it doesn't seem very safe. Um, it's just when you're on your own, it's kind of like if anything goes wrong, you just rely on yourself um, as opposed to your travel companion or your partner or your parent or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's not the point. The point is I got to Barcelona, met up with my friends, and I was like feeling a bit lonely. Like, like I had felt in Morocco, I had felt like little like random waves of loneliness uh-huh. um just like random waves i'd listen to like persian love music like just persian pop just like cringe love music that's my thing and i was just like i feel like a just a little bit emotional i was like oh yeah like i miss my friends uh miss my routine uh-huh. i miss my professors my family um and i think i think you're the only person i mean <laughs> i would say miss my professors <laughs> but I actually do though. Like I straight up do. Like I'm not even I'm just saying it for the sake of I know you do. But it's a Salim only comment. I just wanted to highlight that. Like <laughs> Yeah, Salim, it is. It is. Um and I was I was in Barcelona and we drew my, my two friends with their van. We went to the mountains, Montserrat, and we just parked there in the parking lot. It was like secluded, like no one was there, mm-hmm. uh, like a national park. And they went for a run for about like an hour and a half. And I was sitting there as the sun was setting. I grabbed a piece of paper and a pen, and I went up onto the roof of the van. It was a little bit chilly. I, I could, you could feel the breeze coming through. Sun was setting just on the side of this mountain. And I was like, fuck, man, I feel lonely. And I guess if you're to feel lonely anyway, it's like in a rent, like in a national park, you know, in a different country, when it's starting to get cold and starting to get dark on your own, it's, it makes sense. It's probably like peak, peak and state of loneliness on the trip. Mm. Um, and I was already feeling a bit tender before. Um, for, I don't know, many reasons. And I, I started writing in my journal and I won't read word for word. I'll, I'll summarize the thing I wrote down because I, I found it pretty powerful when I reflected back on it. Mm-hmm. But I was, I, was, I was genuinely trying to get to the bottom of like, what is loneliness? Like I literally wrote down, I was like, loneliness, like what is it? Like, 
can I try to operationalize loneliness? Can I try and put it down on paper? Because I don't think I've ever actually tried to understand what it is other than like, is it just the absence of human connection? But even that, that sentence is not, it's not convincing enough to me. It's not, not satisfying. Uh, ex extensive enough. So I had a crack at it. So I, I went and I started writing, let me try and describe what is the lack of loneliness. So when I'm not lonely, what do I feel? And this made me really, really go deep into reflection of like the friendships and connections and things I had in Australia and what I was grateful about them. Mm -hmm. And so you can interrupt me at any stage, Master. You don't have to just, yeah. No, I'm but I have, listening. yeah, I have like, so I just started writing. I literally had no idea what the fuck I was writing, but I just started writing. First thing that came to mind was feeling heard. I was like, when someone else is genuinely interested in hearing about your opinions, feelings, and thoughts. That's the first thing, which, which this is the absence of loneliness. So this is when you feel not lonely. Mm -hmm. um, so happy or whatnot, a bunch of other range of emotions. Um, second thing, receiving touch. When you can feel the heat of somebody else's body against your skin. So this is... Um, it can be actual physical touch. It can be like hugging. It can be play, fighting, it can be anything, but just having another human being's body close by. Mm -hmm. um, it can be casually touching your friend when you're talking to them or whatever. Third one was dissolving of self-importance. So this is when someone else trusts you with the tribulations of their daily life. So I, for me, this was really, really like resonated a lot with me to be like when you're with someone else and they share with you their life tribulations, whether it's something good that's happened to them, something bad that's happened to them, something they're trying to understand, it dissolves your own self-importance because for that moment, it's kind of you can just stop getting lost in your own thoughts and your own feelings and just kind of dedicate yourself to them. And when you're lonely or when you're on yourself or when you're in solitude, it can be very easy to get lost in your own, like me, 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 my emotions, my loneliness, my feelings. Whereas when you're with someone else, it's quite nice to get lost in them. Mm. Um, so then I had number four, which is, this total yeah, is sorry. interesting. Can you, uh... Can you talk a little bit more, more about this one? Yeah, okay, sure. Um, I think for me at least, um, because this, this is the thing, I'm not necessarily describing solitude. Like you can go to a dark cave for two weeks, yeah? That's solitude. I wouldn't say necessarily as loneliness because loneliness is something you can feel uh, regardless of actual physically if there's people around you or not. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm saying dissolving and self-importance is when you feel lonely, I feel like your, your ego is highlighted or emphasized um, because I feel lonely because if some, if, if you're lost in someone else's story or someone else, or you're trying to help someone else, 
I don't think you can feel lonely in that moment. After you stopped helping that person, you can realize that you're lonely. But mm. in that moment, I don't think you can feel lonely because your self-importance has been dissolved for that period of time. And this is why many you know, people say you should help others and do acts of service and whatnot. But in this case, I wasn't referring to like the good Samaritan of like help others so you don't feel lonely. But it's just when I, what I value and what I miss about my friends in, in Sydney or in Australia is when I'm with them, I forget about myself for a moment. And that can mm. be quite liberating. Yeah, so it's like the the flashlight of focus is not on you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and okay. especially if I'm going through some uncomfortable feelings or if I'm going through tough times, it can be very nice to have the privilege, because I think it is a privilege, to have someone else trust you with their life problems. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like a break from when you're yourself to- as well. So it's like a break exactly. from you and what's going on in you. It's like you go on a holiday into this other person and what's going on with them and how is their mm. world and what's their life. Okay, yeah, I get that now. Exactly, yeah. So that's 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 number three. Um, number four, it's participating in co-experienced pleasure. So I said, when you engage in a pleasurable activity and share in its bounties, um, so this for me is it's anything that you experience on yourself, like by yourself, which you can have pleasure, but it's just, if you do it with someone else, it's, it's an antidote to loneliness. So like you catch up with a friend and you drink coffee together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you both share in the pleasurable experience of drinking good coffee or you have dinner or you watch a movie or you both go hiking it's like all of these things are quite pleasurable on their own. Like a good movie is a good movie. For some reason, it's it's nicer when you do it with someone else. Mm. And I guess for me, I'm, I'm describing the absence of loneliness. So I'm saying if you're trying to find the antidote of loneliness, it's like this, this co-experience pleasure. And this can be from anywhere from sex to even people take drugs together or have ceremonies together or whatever. There's something about co-experience pleasure, and I would call it pleasure. Like I, I, I don't think this, this is just doing th- things with other people for the sake of it. Like just going on the train with other people. It's co-experience pleasure, which I think is is a very big yeah. antidote to loneliness. Mm. Um, but yeah, number five, I wrote being appreciated. And I said, when someone calibrates, for me, this is how I pictured it. It is when someone calibrates your self-love. So, in the context of love, I don't know what that means. So, I'm saying in the context of loneliness, yeah, because I'm, th- I'm, I'm writing down what is it when I'm not lonely. Yeah, so, when I'm appreciated, yeah. So remember how number three was dissolving of self-importance. Yeah. But number five is being appreciated. So when I'm being appreciated, it's as if I'm being reminded about how I how I should love myself. So it's kind of like a 
you could say when you're feeling lonely, you you pity yourself. You go down these negative thought patterns and things like that. But when you're being appreciated, it's it's like the reason I said calibrating self love is because this is different to getting an ego boost for the mm. sake of the ego boost. It's more as when you've lost touch with yourself, the other person kind of reminds you how you can love yourself and which parts of yourselves are lovable. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So this is something that like other humans offer, which it can be hard. It can be easy to get lost in your own thoughts and forget how to love yourself. Things about yourself. Yeah. Um, so that's number five. Number six, and this is probably to me the most important one, is having security. So I said, when you know that if anything was to unexpectedly go wrong, you would be safe. So I think this is something where like, when I'm not lonely, so when I'm feeling connected with someone else or with other people, I have that feeling of security. I know that if something was to unexpectedly go wrong at this moment, I would be safe. But when you're lonely, you don't have that. Like when you're, when you're feeling lonely, you can be physically lonely where like, like, yeah, of course, you're on your own. But when you're in a group of people and you feel lonely, it, you don't have that security because you don't feel connected to either of them. If something was to go wrong, you wouldn't, you don't feel as though they have your back or they will have your back or whatever. So that's a big thing for me. It's like that sense of security is a big deal. Like the um, idea that you'll be supported, you can sort of uh, go and explore. It's like, you know, you know how we were talking about like in psychology, like the safe haven and the other thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, attachment theory, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, if you know you've got like a safe haven, uh, something, someone that's going to support you, then you can go out and explore. So yeah, that's sort of like, yeah, if you feel safe, if you've got, if you're like someone's got your back, then that allows you to be more exploratory and go out there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I exactly. That. Exactly. And yeah. And then, and this is the thing like in attachment theory, it's to do with your, your caregiver or your partner or someone who's really special. But for me, this is just when you don't feel lonely. Like you can feel like not lonely with a friend you've just met last week. Um, and they can still act as that person that gives you that safety. But anyway, last one, last but not least, is number seven. I said, the introduction of novel ways of thinking. So when someone else proposes a new way of conceptualizing something. So I said, when you're lonely, once again, you can get stuck in those loop or you can get stuck in your own thoughts. And sometimes you hit a wall. But when you're with someone else, they can, in every context, in every way of life, they can help you introduce new ways of thinking mm. and new ways of conceptualizing things. And this is something that like human dialogue and human connection is one of the most beautiful things when it comes to this. Um, you know, it, it can be, this is pretty much like the foundation of our friendship is the introduction of novel ways of thinking. Mm. For both of us um so so yeah anyway these these are the seven things to for me i i really 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 reflected on my life uh -huh. and the like 
So these are the seven things I didn't have at that moment when I felt lonely. Yeah. But these are the seven things that I had and I deeply missed and I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I, and then I wrote down after, I said, I just had an interesting thought. When I write, I no longer feel as lonely, which is strange because I'm not engaging with other humans when I do it. And then I wrote, there's two ways of conceptualizing this. So the first option is I'm communicating with a future version of myself who is reading the words off of the page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what that means is as I'm writing the words on the page, milliseconds after my hand writes them on the page, I'm communicating with the version of myself that's milliseconds in the future. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't feel as lonely. So it feels like a two-way communication from your past for me, self it's to like, your future self. Exactly, because it's like, I don't like, it's about writing, yeah? I, I If I think all of these things, I still feel lonely. But when I put them on paper, I feel a bit less lonely. And I think it's because there's a weird communication happening between my past and present. Because there is no future per se. But it's like, I write it down and then a millisecond later I read over what I just read and it's as though I'm connecting with the past version of myself. Mm. So it's quite a cool thought. Um, and then the second thing I wrote was I feel heard. So it doesn't matter by who. Um, maybe it's just feeling heard by the paper that's harboring my thoughts and words. But yeah, that was also quite a weird thing of like, the experience of writing on paper. That's pretty interesting. I'm, 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 I'm like reflecting. It's like a pretty good sort of reflection on what loneliness. Like that's pretty deep. I feel like you hit a lot of corners that I might have not necessarily seen in the first observation. That's pretty good. I like it. No, yeah, and then for me, the climax was then after I wrote all of these things down, I just, I, I wrote this paragraph. I said, why is it that now that I'm inside the van, in the dark with only one candle, I feel more lonely? It's as though I feel abandoned by the light which the sun provided only a few minutes ago. The sounds of the wind have changed. And I'm now longing for that which I'd heard only moments ago. And for me, the reason this was significant is because it's as though I had like, it it comes back to expectation. It's like when I was on top of the van, yeah, the wind made a certain noise, like a whoosh. And I was like, okay, that's a nice, like that's, I feel connected somehow to this particular frequency of noise by the wind. But then two minutes later, I was inside the van and the wind was making a different noise. And I was like, I don't like this new noise that the wind is making. And it's as though I felt abandoned by the previous noise that the wind was making. Or or it's the same way with like sunlight. It's like the light is gone. So now I feel more lonely. But it's like, why am I not embracing the moonlight? 
why do I have to feel abandoned by the sunlight? Like, it's just like, it's all expectations in my head, which I found so fascinating. It was like, what? it doesn't make any sense. But it's like, yeah, it's like, fuck, yeah, I don't know what to say. Yeah, that's so interesting that how we started talking about expectations and somehow, like, somehow we've come back to expectations again. I love that. It's just... Yeah, it is. It's crazy. Like, literally, I don't think even you or me could have seen this coming, right? <laughs> I no, it. I wasn't planning on doing it. I just, this is, I just read it now. I was like, oh, yeah, that's expectations. So, you know, I think listening to what you said about the expectation thing, I think it actually connects back to what I was talking about, the broad and the general thing, like the broad and the specific expectation, because, you know, it sounds like what it sounds like is you, you had the a specific expectations there, right? The specific wind sound, the specific of sunlight, sun, like sun. And when those specifics ran met, because there was other things like moonlight and a different sound, then you were like, oh, it's like a, your dopamine levels go down, right? Because you had expectation and it wasn't met. So you feel But there's still subconscious, subconscious yeah. expectations. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I think it's like, yeah, that's, that's it. That, that's really interesting because it makes me think, would we be a lot better off if we could just broaden our expectations, even, even, even like subconscious ones, like it just completely like as much as we can have broad expectations. I mean, like not not having expectations, I haven't really achieved that state. So I don't know how it would be if you don't have expectations. I think maybe mm. like once or twice I've gone into something with no expectations. But generally speaking, there is some sort of expectation as we talked about it before. So, but I'm thinking like, you know, as a personal development and growth sort of perspective, would be it would be such a powerful thing to broaden the expectations to then include, you know, if you, if your expectation included moonlight, sunlight, starlight, and all sorts of thin noises, you probably wouldn't have felt that way. Right. Yeah. Potentially like that's what I'm getting at. So it's like, I'm with you with the broad expectations. I'm, I'm, I'm still not convinced with the no expectation, but listeners can decide what, what they think. Yeah. Um, I mean, the no expectation, I'm not really there yet either. So I don't know. Um, no, but even theoretically, I disagree with, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, but no, but you're right. And, and yeah, yeah. I think if you have anything else to say, I, I wanted to end this episode with a poem that I wrote. Um, but hit us, bro. Hit us. To... Uh, no. Poem, uh, poet Samim coming, coming in hot. Coming in hot, dropping my first my first album. <laughs> no, so this was so I think the reason I wanted to read this is because this is my first time ever like writing. Actually, it's my second time writing poetry. Last time was like a year ago. Um, I only write it when I feel strong emotions. Um, and when did you write it a year ago? What what sort of? Uh, I was during the Iran Iran uh, protests. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But anyway, so this, so anyway, based on the seven things that I wrote out, yeah, I wrote the first one, feeling heard, then receiving touch, 
dissolving its self-importance, participating in co-experience pleasure, being appreciated, having security, and the introduction of novel ways of thinking. So these are the seven things that if you have, you're not lonely, based on my uh, journaling reflections. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I had written these maybe like, the first two pages was the things that we discussed already. And this is the third page uh-huh. where the sun, the sun had just set. This is before I got back into the van. No, actually, sorry. This is when I was in the van. So the sun had just set. I was sitting in the dark in the van with like one candle on. And I wrote, um, so if the trees could hear me, the wind could touch me. The ocean could remind me of my insignificance. Would I still be lonely? If the birds could share in my glee at the sighting of the first light, would I still be lonely? If the leaves could appreciate that I've used their foliage as protection from the sun, or the soil appreciate the liquid which it received from me, would I still be lonely? If the wolves would vow to protect me from danger and the fire promised that it would give me heat, would I still be lonely? If the mountains stubbornly stood tall and forced me to find ways around it, will I still be lonely? That was that was deep, bro. I love that. Actually, I was getting goosebumps. Fuck, bro. I, yeah, that, like that was literally like straight from the feelings to the page. Like I didn't even think it was just. Oh, man. I was full getting goosebumps when you were reading that. Like actually, like wow. Yeah, that's really cool. I I love how like the the metaphor for those seven things came in from nature and, and you know, it's interesting because at the same time, like, you know, you know how you were talking about this. I was thinking, you know, uh, I'm going to be going into a dark, literally a room by myself in pitch. Yeah. Black, nothing, literally nothing. Just me in a pitch black room for two weeks. And I'm like, it is something that's on my mind, right? So I'm like, I was thinking like, you know, will I feel lonely two weeks of absolutely zero connection with anyone or anything? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, won't, I won't receive touch. I won't, uh, uh, I won't be heard. I won't, uh, I won't do any of those, any, any of those things, right? And I was like, you know what, what I would be having... <laughs> What I would be having is the connection to that space that I'm in. Like, I think I'll be very connected to the space around me because it's just me and the space. It's just me and the emptiness. So, like, what you just said about that pop with that poem is like uh, a cure for loneliness can be found in nature, which I really like. 
But that, that, that was the whole point, which I kind of, in terms of your context of the darkness retreat, like the whole point is the poem. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make a point to be like the cure is in nature, but I'm saying is the cure in nature? Like, like I think yeah. I'm writing a question as opposed to an answer to be like, like logically, yeah. If 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 I believed that the trees could hear me and the wind could touch me, and and if I'm reminded of my insignificance by the ocean, then those are already the top three things that I wrote down. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, it was just like, is it possible? Like actually, and, and it just comes down to framing. So it's like maybe yeah, it's if you can have your needs fulfilled by things other than humans. Is that an antidote to loneliness? And I don't have the answer to that. But but I, I when I was writing this poem, like I think, I think I believe that yeah, it is possible to have those needs met by things other than human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, nah, but yeah, I had so much fun writing it, man. Like I, it was literally such an ecstasy. Like you don't understand, like the the joy of like. When I read it, after I wrote it, I was like, wow, there's like, that's exactly how I felt on like a piece of paper. Like, it was just so nice to have your feelings and just put into like a summarized paragraph. That was really beautiful. Like, I actually really, really enjoyed uh, listening to it too. Thanks for sharing, Samuel. No worries, hermano. <laughs> no worries. Um, all right. Should we... Uh wrap up this episode all right guys to wrap up it is 11 p.m where i'm at and i'm gonna go home and sleep well actually i have no home i'm in a hotel <laughs> i'll just sleep here <laughs> i got no home what the fuck <laughs> i got no home time for another poem time i got no home <laughs> <laughs> one more poem before i sleep i'm homeless guys no actually yeah, that's, that's very pretty yeah, no, actually, last last thing, last thing I wanted to say, uh, something that's been quite eye-opening, um, because I just said, oh, I'm homeless as a joke, but like actual, some of the places I've been, man, maybe it's just the way I view things as a tourist, like maybe I don't pay attention in Sydney in day-to-day life, but we're so privileged, like we, it's just crazy how privileged we are, like it's crazy, like it's like the amount of poverty like i know this is obvious everyone fucking knows this but i don't think people understand it like like genuinely understand it like 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 is it privileged to the extent of like we will travel to fucking some random country and start speaking english and have the expectation that they should understand us mm. like that is like the first privilege or the, the privilege of like just anything like, oh you didn't get me to my connecting flight so you should pay for my hotel like it's like my right it's like that's my human right like fuck you like i i deserve a hotel and dinner like just like this random privilege or the privilege and the freedom to go to a foreign country and drink and dance and sleep and not sleep and like like what i'm doing right now it's like People from my country literally living in an authoritarian regime. Mm. No freedom, like basic freedom. And yet here I am living with, I feel like my life is a definition of freedom. It could be better, 
if I had more money, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> but but still, yeah, it's, a, it's just, yeah, do what you want, be with who you want, call yourself what you want, wear what you want, eat what you want, shit when you want, <laughs> wake up when you want, sleep when you want. It's just, it's just like crazy. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm just, I'm just a bit, this trip out of all of my trips has really reminded me as like, I am the definition of Western privilege. Like it's crazy. And, and with that knowledge in mind, what do you, what, what are you going to do about it? Like, you know, when I think of something like that, I feel a little gratitude and the way I express my gratitude is by living my best life because you know some people can't live their best life and yeah so i was just wondering like what 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 is your take when you feel those sort of emotions about privileged and you're being lucky in a sense um yeah curious to know yeah and i think for me first and foremost is is to seize the fucking day, man. Like, it's just, I, I feel like when I go back to Sydney, I have a lot to, how do I say this? I no longer have a lot to prove, as in, like, I'm not trying to prove something to someone, but I have this drive of exactly what you said. And this is not just living my best life per se, as in, like, previously, living my best life was like, well, if my best life is, working at McDonald's, then that's fine. Whereas now it's like, no, like I have a privilege. I have an opportunity. I'm going to like, I want to make it in, in this thing called life, whether it's career, prestige, whatever, like these capitalist things that are quite negative in the hippie world. I'm like, actually, there are people in the world, man, that are like wishing they could have access to this level of capitalism. Like I'm gonna fucking embrace it. Like, Ooh. like I'm I'm gonna like make make it count. Like I'm not gonna waste this opportunity. So I think for me that's the thing that's different is like it's less about me now as like what's my purpose in life and my dream. It's more like we are so fucking lucky, man. We have so much opportunity. I'm just gonna seize and capitalize on some of that opportunity. Um, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I'll keep you accountable to that, yeah? <laughs> if, if, I see yeah you're not seizing, if I see you're not seizing it, I'm just going to call you out. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll seize it. And then the second thing I was quickly going to mention is fear. Like, it's it's just like, I, I, I've, I've been trying to make less fear-based decisions. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I literally went rock climbing yesterday in the mountains. Nice. I was shooting myself. I was like 20 minutes up his rock face. <laughs> I was actually shitting myself. <laughs> but but say no to fear. You know, but did you die? No. No, I didn't die. That's the <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Seize the opportunity. That's um, it. Nice. Yes. Cool. Thank you, Shun Fraulein. Sorry? <laughs> I didn't hear him. Sorry. I just spoke in German.
Uh, All right, guys, we're gonna head on. We should wrap up. So, yeah. what are we gonna wrap up? Matt, Maz, can you wrap up? Um, wrap the Christmas present for the for the for the listeners. This is a this was the episode. Basically, I'll just quench my curiosity about Celine's travels, right? So, things he regrets, things he was proud of, um. And we went into expectations. We went into um, what other thing we went into? Poetry. Yeah, the poetry. I mean, loneliness. That's the one. That's the one I was looking for. Loneliness. And heard that beautiful poem from Samim, uh, who's gonna now become a poet. <laughs> I, I guys, I think it. I will. I can. I can genuinely see you becoming a poet. Like. And some, uh, uh, you could you could even write it in Persian, I reckon. You could be a Persian poet to, you know, follow follow Rumi's path. <laughs> Bro, why not, man? It's just like fuck it. I, I... <laughs> um, per- Persian mystic poet, Samim Marista. That's it. Has, has a good That's it, guys. <laughs> and maybe I'll start a cult. I'll start a cult after that. Why not? That's it, bro. I'll, I'll, That's how I'll, Rumi did it. Look, he's called surviving and thriving, so it's good. That's good it, stuff. mate. I think all all prophets are probably poets in the beginning. It's a bit of red flag, <laughs> girls. So watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Poet becomes cult leader. Dangerous. I mean, we can have a discussion about cult leaders being dangerous or not at another episode. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. All right. Oh. Done. Masters of cult leader run. All right, guys. <laughs> All right, easy. Let's go. Let's go. I want to go to bed. Go. All right, good night. Fucking fuck. Let's go. Go Go Professor, wink, wink. Clearly, he was spent too much time on the phone. <laughs> <laughs>